If you'd open your Bibles, please, to Daniel chapter 1. Before we begin our journey today, let's bow and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the word and those here to partake of it. We pray you minister to our minds and hearts through this passage today, and we'll thank thee for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Harry Boltema was a Christian Reformed minister born in the Netherlands in 1884, was educated in a Reformed seminary, and ultimately he came to this country at the turn of the century in the 1900s. As he started studying the Bible, he came to the conclusion there was a big difference between Christian Reformed theology and the Bible, especially Christ as King of Israel and Christ as head of the church, so he left the Reformed church. He made a personal decision that he was going to walk away and turn his back on a denomination that was departing from careful exposition of the scriptures. He refused to go along with others in a true Daniel fashion. He took a stand. As a result, God honored him, and he went on to become one of the outstanding Bible teachers and conference speakers to ever come from the Netherlands. As he died in 1952, but before he died, he had carefully expounded and wrote many commentaries that are still considered to be very valuable. And one book that he decided to write a commentary on in the Dutch language for the Dutch people was a commentary on the book of Daniel. Harry loved the book of Daniel. In fact, he had a son he named Daniel. In 1988, some 36 years after Harry had gone home to be with the Lord, his son Daniel decided to publish his commentary in English. And so he did. And when Dr. Harry Boltema came to this series of verses in his commentary, he said this, Many people wonder how a young man like Daniel, who had hardly outgrown shoes of childhood, could have been so nobly used by Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian world. You see, ultimately, Daniel will be risen to the pinnacle of power. Boltima said the answer to that question as to why Daniel was risen to the pinnacle of power is right here. Now, the first real challenge that hits Daniel, this teenage boy, when he's in a foreign world, was the challenge as to whether or not he would remain faithful to God's word. These kinds of tests are really needed if you're going to ultimately cause one to be lifted to the pinnacle of power because it's these kinds of tests that prove whether or not you have pure gold. This is the same challenge that will hit you in your school, in your employment. This is the same challenge that will hit you in a relationship or in interviews. Are you willing to stand for what God's word says you should stand for? Now this is critical in the book of Daniel because it's this scene right here that we look at today that separates Daniel from all the other Jewish young people in the Babylonian world. This is what sets the stage for the major blessings, the incredible use that God uses Daniel in the days to come. This was, as Kyle and Daly said, a big test of their fidelity to the Lord. And Matthew Henry said, Daniel, let it be known that even though he was a Jewish slave, he was still a servant of the Most High God. It was Harry Ironside of Chicago who said that Daniel and his three friends right here demonstrate a carefulness that moves God to give them tremendous spiritual enlightenment in the days to come. This was the commitment that Daniel had. He was a servant of the living God. And no matter what culture you placed him, he let that be known. And we need to let it be known too. In the culture you find yourself in, be loyal to the Lord. 
Be loyal to a relative. Be loyal as a friend. Be loyal to your mate. Be loyal to your school and company, but also be loyal to the Lord. And if it ever comes down to a choice between loyalty to him or loyalty to them, you choose loyalty to him because obedience to God's word in any situation or circumstance will eventually bring great promotion and blessing from God. That's the thesis of these verses. This appears to be such a little issue, but it's this obedience right here that eventually brings great promotion and blessings for Daniel and his three friends. Now, I want you to carefully notice the proposition of this exposition. Faithfulness will eventually bring great promotion. It will not necessarily bring promotion immediately. If you stand for the word of God, you may immediately get in trouble. There was a young man in a school who refused to take notes on evolution. He was in a high school classroom and they said, you take notes on evolution. He put his pen down and said, I will not. I'm not going to memorize something that's a fictitious lie. They kicked him out of class. Immediately got him in trouble for his stand. He was sent to the principal's office. When he got down to the principal's office, he was asked why he was thrown out of class. He said, because I'm not going to waste my time memorizing a bunch of lies that are made up by individuals and taking notes on evolution. He said, I'll just flunk the class. If I have to, I'll flunk that particular exam. But he said, I'm not going to waste my time memorizing something that's not true. In the initial surge of all of this, he got himself in big trouble. What ultimately happened is, Many students started to rally around him. Many students started to say, you know, he's right. Why are we giving ourselves to this nonsense? Why are we wasting our time? And there was a stand that was taken, including a stand by the vice principal. Now, when it all started, it looked ugly for the person who initially took the stand. But when it ended, there was real power there. I know of a man who lost his job because he said that he worshiped God on the Lord's Day and wouldn't work on the Lord's Day. He said, I'll work any other day you want me to work, and I'll get the work done, but not on the Lord's Day. That's the day me and my family go to church, and we worship God. And he ultimately lost his job because of that. The Lord eventually gave him another job, and he went on and had a good job for the glory of God. So initially, when you stand for God, it may not turn out just great, but eventually it will. Now, Daniel was the kind of guy who would rather be at odds with the whole world than abandon the truth of God. If it came down to the truth of God, Daniel would stand for truth. If it came down to a choice between what God's word said and what the Babylonian world said, Daniel would always choose the word of God. Now, let us contextually observe that all of this story in verses 8 to 16 occurs before verse 17. Next week, we'll look at this, but I want you to notice what verse 17 says. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. This is critical. This informs us that it was this initial stand that was taken by Daniel and his three friends that became a basis for what God would do with them starting in verse 17 and on. So this decision to obey the word of God had tremendous effect on Daniel and his three friends and the rest of the Daniel narrative. The secret of the Lord will always be to those who fear him. And God will give great growth great knowledge, great insight to people who decide to fear him and obey him. And there are those who can gain great knowledge of the word of God. These are people who will walk close with the Lord. They'll purpose to obey him in small area behind scenes things in life. They do not have to be out in front to obey God. They're doing this privately and personally. You see, it's one thing to obey God publicly in front of people. It's quite another in the privacy of your own heart and life to purpose to obey God. And that's the kind of commitment Daniel had. It's this decision to obey the Lord that will ultimately lead God to blessing Daniel with tremendous 
knowledge and also a prophetic ministry that is still applicable today. So when one purposes to obey the word of God in any setting, God honors those who honor him. And God will do great things with those who choose to obey him. And let me just say to you, the younger you are, when you purpose to obey the word of God, it will be better for you. The more powerful you will be used of the Lord, the more powerful you will become. Now, there are seven main parts to this narrative that I want to show you that come to us from the book of Daniel. Part number one is seen in the first part of verse 8, and that is Daniel makes the decision not to defile himself with the king's food or wine. Verse 8 says this, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. Now, this seems to be such a little decision, but it was a little decision that had big consequences. In fact, the matter is, before we look at this, if you can learn to say no, you can do big things. Most people are compromisers. Daniel was not. I like what one commentator said. He said, Adam compromised God's law and fell right into his wife's sin. Sarah compromised the word of God, and ultimately we lost peace in the Middle East. Esau compromised a meal with Jacob, lost his birthright. Aaron compromised his convictions about idolatry, lost the privilege of seeing the promised land. Samson compromised his position, his righteous devotion. As a Nazarite, he lost his hair, his strength, his eyes, and his life. It takes guts to say no. It takes intestinal fortitude to say no, whether it's 2,600 years ago or last night. It takes courage to stand up and say, I'm going to do what's right before God when it comes to who you're dating or where you're going to move or where you're going to work or who you're going to marry or who your friends will be. It takes real courage to say, I'm going to be a Daniel and just because this is the compromising thing to do, it's not necessarily the right thing to do, I'm not going to do it. Now, when this personal account of Daniel opens, we learn a very important principle. Remember, it was disobedience that brought Israel into captivity. It was her disobedience that brought her under the Babylonian captivity in the first place, and it will be obedience to God that will bring her out of captivity. And may I remind us all, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget this. At the time that this scene happens, Daniel's about 16 or 17 years old. Most teenagers will eat anything and everything you set before them. All you have to do is raise a teen and you'll know. When our boys were teenagers, grocery days were like Christmas. It still is to me, but it was to them. I mean, when Mary would come home with those groceries, they were there because they wanted to see what it was that they had to eat because it was just a one big vacuum for those boys. Now, Daniel and his three friends are in their teen years, so these are boys who have good appetites. And although the text doesn't specifically state the point, Daniel was obviously the leader because he's the spokesperson who's used in this narrative to pretty much make decisions based upon what the others believe. Now Daniel said, I'm not going to defile myself. And that word defile is a Hebrew word that means Daniel was not going to do something that would pollute him or desecrate him as a Jewish young man. Now it wasn't necessarily wrong to eat food or drink a glass of wine. In fact, there were wine offerings that were given in the Nazarite vow that's given in the book of Numbers. You were to go without drinking wine or eating grapes for a period of time. In the aftermath of that, then you could drink wine again. So it's not that he was on some rigid legalistic crusade against the Babylonian world, but apparently what he was being asked to do in partaking of this food was something that would actually desecrate him as a Jewish young man. Now, what is interesting is that the form of the verb, the file, is hithpael stem. And what that means, that technical name means, is that this particular verb means that Daniel made the decision himself. In other words, the peculiar feature of the hithpael stem verb is that it throws the action back to self. 
In other words, Daniel acted by a choice that he himself made that he was not going to violate the word of God. And what this came down to was simply this. Will you obey God's law by eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols, by drinking wine that's been sacrificed to Babylonian deity? Will you obey the law of God and not defile yourself? Or will you give in like most of the others are doing? Daniel was far away from home be like a young man or young woman in the military or a young man or young woman going away to college. Who's going to know? I'm a long way from home. Parents, there's no record that they moved to Babylon with him. He was taken with these buddies of his to go to Babylon. But you know, the Bible teaches that God honors those who honor him. And somehow, even in that foreign culture, when he was hundreds of miles from home, Daniel had inbred in him things that he had learned at the temple of Jerusalem and things that he had learned from his home and from those other teachers of the word of God. And he said he knew that eating these things that had been sacrificed to these idols was wrong and he said, I'm not going to do it. What we learn about Daniel right from the get-go is that he was a man who was constantly relying on the scriptures. And it became quite evident that Daniel and his three friends were actually carefully assessing the scriptures even about the food they would eat. Now, obedience is a personal choice that we make in view of Scripture. When the hithpael stem of the verb is used, it indicates that we're responsible ourselves for the action. So here's what it gets down to, practically. We decide ourselves whether or not we're going to obey God's Word. We make this choice ourselves. Grandparents can't make it for us. Parents cannot make it for us. We must decide this for ourselves. It's our own personal decision. Now, Daniel is basing his decision on what he eats on the scriptures. Again, he's not some legalistic guy who would never eat the food or drink the wine. In fact, later in the very book of Daniel, he'll do these things that he's not doing here. But for Daniel to decide not to indulge at this time in his life was a very big risk. Dr. Leon Wood, who's written two commentaries on Daniel, one on the history of Israel, said that this was a big risk for Daniel for six reasons. First of all, the king had specifically ordered that they were to have this food and drink, and orders coming from Nebuchadnezzar were not multiple-choice options. When he gave an order, this was to be done. Secondly, to disobey a Babylonian king was a very dangerous thing to do, a very punishable thing. In fact, this is a big risk. Nebuchadnezzar is the kind of guy who could throw somebody into a furnace or feed somebody to lion or chop off their head. Thirdly, there was big risk in hindering good, healthy growth by not eating and drinking properly. And Nebuchadnezzar wants to reprogram these Jewish boys so they look like big, strong, strapping Babylonians. Fourthly, the food and the drink were the best there was in the Babylonian world. I mean, these guys are not being given leftovers from somebody's table. These guys are being given and offered the best food in the world. Fifthly, the Jewish young men were far away from home and out from under their Jewish influence. And sixthly, God had enabled these young men to be viewed favorably, and they could have, in fact, started to rationalize all of this, and they could have said, this food and drink is part of a favorable blessing of God. They could have said, let's just make the word of God subjective to our situation. You know, God let us be taken captive. Therefore, we're not responsible for our captivity. So then we can just go ahead and enjoy the life that we have here. And God has blessed us. And part of the blessings is the food and drink. Now, Daniel said no to that. And the reason why Daniel and his friends decided not to drink the wine or eat the meat was not because they didn't like meat or they didn't like a good glass of wine. Neither are forbidden in Scripture. Later in the book, Daniel, as I said, will eat meat and will drink the wine. But later in the book, God is honored, not a Babylonian deity. Later in the book, 
there is a statement made, let the Most High God of Israel be honored and not the Babylonian deity. And the reason why they would not partake at this point in time is the fact that they would defile themselves and there were two ways they would defile themselves. First of all, some of the meat would have included the unclean animals that were forbidden by Mosaic law. John Kiddo, who did extensive travels in the Middle East, wrote a massive two-volume set about the history of the Middle East and things that went on there. And he claimed that Babylon particularly was known for feeding swine and rabbit to people. And they made a delicacy of swine and rabbit. Well, unfortunately, those two things were forbidden in the scriptures. Furthermore, they were not uh, opposed to serving meat that featured some blood in it. And of course, you were not to eat meat that featured any blood. That too was a violation of the law. So some of the meat would include unclean animals that wouldn't be prepared properly. That would be violation number one. Secondly, both the wine and the meat were items that the king sacrificed to an idol, which was also forbidden. This royal food and drink was first dedicated to some Babylonian deity. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar's goal is to make these Jewish boys good Babylonians. So if he could get these guys to eat their meat and drink their wine that had been sacrificed to a foreign idol, then he could credit their prosperity to the foreign idol, not the God of the Bible. When you purpose to involve yourself in something forbidden you put yourself on the path of a loser. Now, you may think initially you're a winner when you say, I'm going to get involved in something that's forbidden in the Word of God, but you really put yourself on the path of a loser. I had a friend who grew up in Montana. He spent time in Glacier National Park. And because of the grizzly activity, there were times they would close down different trails. They'd put a sign there, this trail is no longer open because of grizzly activity. If you walk on that trail, you're heading to disaster. If you walked on the right paths in Glacier National Park, you were heading to spectacular, safe experience that reflected the glory of God. But if you walk down the wrong path, you're headed to total disaster. It's the same with the scriptures. If you walk down the righteous paths of God, you're heading to a spectacular experience, wonderful blessings, great usability, wonderful things of God, but go down the wrong trail and you're heading the disaster. Now the second part is Daniel makes a request to the commander not to eat and drink the king's provision. Verse 8, he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. One thing you see about Daniel is he was a self-disciplined man. And by the way, let me just say that about spirituality. Self-denial, self-discipline are marks of those who are greatly used by the Lord. This denial, by the way, is not based on some legalistic delusion. He's denying himself something based on the Word of God. I like what Dr. Renald Showers of Friends of Israel said. When Daniel decided to obey God, he did not go on some fanatical rampage. Sometimes abstinence is a self-righteous arrogance. That's not Daniel's case here. Daniel's actually abstaining from this because it's a violation of the Word of God. You have freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are warned against promoting pharisaical legalism. In fact, Jesus says, woe to those who become pharisaical legalists. We never want to be that. But this decision is based on truth from the Word. 
Daniel did not protest or pick at the food or the drink. He didn't try to burn down the building. He didn't demean those that were indulging. He didn't say to Nebuchadnezzar and the people, you're all heathens because you don't see it the way we do. He didn't threaten anyone. He didn't demand that every person take the same position that he took on this issue. He simply let his request be made known to the one who was in charge over him. Daniel is always respectful of leadership all throughout this book. Even though this is a heathen world, you discover about Daniel that he always respected those who were over him. And people who God will greatly use will always be gracious toward leadership, not hostile against leadership. Daniel was open and honest. He was quietly and respectfully faithful to the Lord. He made it clear that if he partook, he'd be defiling himself. Now, this is a leader who defiles himself and all other Jewish people were defiling themselves and Daniel's telling him, I don't want to defile myself. Uh, I don't want to partake of this. This is Daniel's conviction. It's based on biblical truth, not on something he's invented of some self-righteous, pious legalism. And it was this kind of conviction that God honored. Young people, I can tell you this from the book of Daniel and also from seeing young people who have made this decision. The best way that you can find favor with people in this world is do your best to please God. Now initially, it probably won't look like you're finding favor with people. But when you make a decision, I'm going to invest my life in pleasing the Lord, you will discover that all of a sudden, people start favoring you. That's what happened in the life of Daniel. It's happened in the lives of many people. The third part is God grants Daniel favor in his request. Verse 9, now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God will never fail one who obeys his word. And that's what Daniel's doing here. This is important. The commander is a heathen commander. But notice who's going to turn this heathen commander's mind. It's God. God reached into this heathen commander's mind and turned it so that it was favorable to what Daniel was asking. This is, as Kyle and Daly said, an effect of divine grace. God was moving in behalf of Daniel, and he turned this heathen commander's mind his way. Now, what prompted God to do this? What moved God to do this? Daniel's decision to obey the word of God. That is the key to favor with the Lord. And those of any age who purpose to obey God will always gain the favor of God. And God will turn other people's minds and hearts in ways that he desires to favor them. The fourth part is the commander favors Daniel but fears the king. Verse 10 says this commander was in a dilemma. He knew that if he did not serve the king's food and wine to Daniel, and they started to look sickly, then his life would be on the line. He would be in serious jeopardy. And this literally was a life or death matter for him because he says, look, I could forfeit my head to the king. And apparently that was one of the ways that was used for executing those that didn't follow through on commands that were given to them. He literally could lose his life. Which brings us to the fifth part. Daniel gives the commander a solution to eliminate his fear. Verses 11 to 13. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for ten days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. Now what you see in these verses is at times God's will does create problems in society, but it also gives solutions. You may have problems in your life 
right now. You purpose to do the will of God and obey the word of God and there will come solutions to problems. The best counseling book in all the world is the Bible. It addresses every subject in life imaginable. I've seen personally, pastorally, suicidal people that were going to kill themselves, trust the Lord Jesus Christ, start obeying the word of God, and go on to become a happy, fulfilled person for the glory of God. There were problems, but the Bible gives them solutions. Now Daniel says, look, I've got a solution. You're thinking you're going to lose your life? Test us for 10 days. Now 10 is a number of days that's not too short nor too long. Ten days is not enough time to make a real noticeable dent in their physical appearance if in ten days this commander noticed that they were beginning to lose some of their physique and good looks, they could change the diet and quickly get them back up to snuff. In ten days, one could see a little difference, but it wouldn't be a huge noticeable difference. Daniel's proposed test was test us for ten days, and there's a four-fold test he offers. Number one, give us vegetables. Now, I'm not convinced that the word for vegetables that we have in English means that they were total vegetarians because the word that's in Hebrew for vegetable is a word that means grown from seed. It would have included vegetables, but it also could have included some grains that would have been involved in this feeding too. But in any case, it obviously was lacking meat. Secondly, he said, give us water to drink. Thirdly, observe our appearance and compare it to others. And then fourthly, make a decision based on what you see. Now again, Daniel does not preach to the commander about his need to have more faith in God. Daniel does not give him a lecture in theology. Daniel simply says, I'm going to let you see our faith. We'll run a little test and we'll see what God is going to do. Now that's the kind of faith that you want to have in your world. If you're given a tough assignment on your job, you don't want to make a big deal about it. You just want to say, let's see what God's going to do. I know of a man who was given a tough task at his place of employment. He asked God to strengthen him for the task, and he went to work on the task. And in one eight-hour shift, he set a record for work production that was almost double to the previous record. That's Daniel-type faith. He went about his business quietly. He didn't broadcast things. He just said, okay, you've given me this job. Let's see what I can do with it. The sixth part is the commander listened to Daniel and tested him for 10 days. Verses 14 to 16 tells us that. At the end of 10 days, here's what this commander said he saw. Their appearance was better than the Babylonians. He says in verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter. Secondly, they were fatter than all the ewes who had eaten the king's food. More than one commentator has observed that proper diet can be a critical key to good health. Fact of the matter is, sometimes people just need to eat better. It's just known in all these books that are written today on foods and all these various diets that if you eat a bunch of heavy, rich foods, you can cause yourself a lot of physical problems. From being overweight to major heart problems come by eating the wrong food. So this is a known fact that exists even in our world. But there is a principle here that I want you to see, and that is this. You will always be better off by obeying the word of God and by trusting God than you will if you don't. If you purpose to obey God and trust God, you will always end up better off than if you didn't obey God and trust God. Obedience is a wonderful thing. It is something that will lead to a healthy spirituality, a healthy physical ability, and healthy emotions. Obedience to the word of God can clear up a lot of problems. 
And it certainly did in this case with Daniel. God granted him favor. Which brings us to the final part. The commander continues to allow Daniel and his friends to eat vegetables. Verse 16, so the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and wine that they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. We're not called to be conformist. We're called to be transformist. Instead of Daniel and his friends being influenced by the Babylonian culture, and remember, that's what Nebuchadnezzar's out to do, he renames these guys because he wants to reprogram them into becoming Babylonians. But instead of them being influenced by the Babylonian culture, they did the influencing of the Babylonian culture, the Mede culture, and the Persian culture. In other words, their faithfulness influenced all these cultures for the glory of God, and that influence is stated right here. They were miles away from home. Nobody was there, no mom, no dad, no grandparent was there to tell them what they ought to do. They're on their own. They can get out and spread their wings. They can, as it were, enjoy whatever life they want to enjoy. Miles away, nobody's going to see. And the choice comes down to this. Will you obey God in what you're eating and drinking that has been sacrificed to idols, or will you not obey God and go along with the crowd? And Daniel said, we'll obey God. And God always honors that kind of commitment. Whether one is young or old, male and female, Jew or Gentile, Harry Baltimore is right. This does explain why Daniel became so exalted in Nebuchadnezzar's world. God blessed him for this faithfulness. He was faithful in little things, what he ate. I leave you with three practical insights from this text today. First of all, feed and drink from God's word on a regular basis and see if you do not become stronger. Feed and drink on God's word on a regular basis and see if you do not become stronger. I trusted Jesus Christ June 10th, 1976, 29 years ago this past Friday. When I came to faith in Jesus Christ, a man said to me these words. There are 31 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. He said, take a proverb that coincides with every day of the week, that day, if the day is the 10th, read Proverbs chapter 10. He said, and ask God to give you wisdom. He said, you start right there. Take a chapter a day that coincides with the day of the week and ask God to give you wisdom. I started that process. I did exactly what he said. Every day I'd ask God to give me wisdom and I'd read that chapter that coincided with that day. And you know what? I discovered as I began to look back, I'm getting stronger and stronger because I was feeding on the right things. When you feed on the word of God, See if it doesn't make you stronger. Secondly, there are moments when we must choose to obey God's word or not obey it. And I am convinced, ladies and gentlemen, these are defining moments for every one of us. They ultimately determine what God's will will do for us and with us. I believe God controls those moments to determine who he's going to use. These are private moments these are moments that nobody else sees but just the person and God. It's in those defining moments where character is established and where an individual is monitored by the Lord for further usability. Thirdly, obedience starts with one person making a personal choice to believe God and obey God regardless of what the rest of the world is doing. Regardless of who's doing what, Obedience starts with one person. It was this one obedient act of Daniel that begins to turn this whole program with Israel around. 
because you have one guy faithful in what he's going to eat. Now, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what is going on in your world, we need some Daniels. Daniel men and women who've got guts, who'll stand for the word of God, not some rigid, phony, pharisaical, legalistic nonsense. That's not what he's doing here. But who will stand for the word. That's what we need. And you can be that Daniel right here, right now. May we pray. Now, I don't know what problems you have in your world right now. I don't need to know. But here's what I do know. God can solve your problems. That I personally know. And it all begins by faith in Jesus Christ. That choice falls to you today. Will you believe on the Lord? Right now in this moment, if you've never trusted Christ, you pray something like this, God, I know I'm a sinner, I admit it. I thank you that Jesus Christ died for me and right now I place my faith in him to give me salvation. Our Father, we thank you so much for the precious word of God. We thank you for this wonderful account that you've preserved in your holy writ of the steadfastness and faithfulness of a teenager so knowledgeable of the word so committed to the word that he would not budge when it came to scripture i pray that same passion for myself and for this flock in jesus name amen